0: Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Thank you, and it's nice to be here again uh, this Sunday and to try and finish uh, what we started last Sunday here in Hebrews chapter 9. I noticed there's, there, there's some here that weren't here last week, so I'll just give you a quick recap of the first part of the chapter that we studied. Uh, we started off, I gave an example of building a big, big interstate highway, takes years. I mean, your I-4 seems like it takes forever. Uh, We have highways like that, too, back home. Until those big highways are built, though, they usually have a lot of detours. And those roads are not great, but at least it gets the traffic through. That's what the first covenant was doing. God wanted a relationship with humanity. These detour signs were created so that he could create that relationship. But ultimately, it was for the purpose for the big highway. And the big highway was the Lord Jesus Christ. So we started with that last week. And then we talked about in the first covenant, the temple or the tabernacle, which was where heaven and earth came together. When God made creation, I didn't, I didn't mention this last week, I don't think. Heaven and earth were basically together like this, like two circles overlapping. When sin entered into the world, they separated between the two. When God made the tabernacle, there was a little tiny overlap right there. It was called the holiest of all. And that's where heaven and earth came back together. But ultimately, the purpose was, and in the tabernacle, they lived all around it, was to remind them that God was to be the center of their life. One day, when the highway was fully built, boom, the two circles could come back together. And again, that, that was the picture of the first covenant to the second. I see you, younger ones here. I talked about my famous Lego pirate ship last week, and I don't have time to get into the details of it, except to say this. I loved my Lego ship until I went onto a real ship. And the real ship was much better than the model. The first covenant was the model, and it was pointing to the real thing. So when the real thing comes, there's no reason to go back. And then the last example I gave uh, was about moving. The first place my wife and I lived in when we got married was a little tiny basement apartment. Uh, It would never support the needs of our family today. But we look back with it at fond memories. Don't disrespect it. It was the place where we started. But now that we're in a better place, There's no reason to go back. And one thing I forgot to mention last week, but it came to me, is that I got an email yesterday from a company. I don't even know them very well, but they're letting me know that their company address has changed. It has moved. You know, the Lord did the same thing. When he instituted the tabernacle, it says fire came down from heaven, and it signified that God was now going to dwell with his people. When Solomon built the temple, the very same thing happened. God changed his address on earth. And on the day of Pentecost, something very interesting happened. Flames of fire came down again, except instead of resting on a building, it rested on people. God changed his address. And so we today are part of that new address. And so we're supposed to live in the world showing people that actually God is here in me. Okay. So that's what we studied or covered last week. This week, we're going to finish the chapter. And I've broken it up into two parts. So I want to read the two sections and then do like I did last week, just share uh, a few thoughts. So uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. Therefore, he is, this is the Lord Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant. commandment of the law was made and declared by Moses to all the people he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you and in the same way he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship indeed under the law almost everything is purified with blood and without great verse the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness A few thoughts in this first section. Number one, human sacrifice. Sometimes we got to give the people of Israel a bit of a break. There's only so much they knew. You know, it's nice, hindsight they say is twenty twenty. 20 It's always nice to say, well, you should have known better and you should have known this and that. When it comes to the subject of suffering and human sacrifice, how many times in the Hebrew scriptures do we actually have not an indirect, not a shadow, not a, not a type, not a sacrifice leading to, to the bigger picture, not the model leading to the reality, but an actual explicit understanding that someone would have to take the place of someone else. Well, you're not going to find very many references. In fact, the only two that come to mind, one is in Genesis chapter 22, when God said to Abraham, Abraham, offer your son, your only son Isaac, up in Mount Moriah. And the interesting thing is, it took thousands of years, and I don't know how he knew it, but the Hebrew writer knew something that all those years was never said, unless it was just a verbal thing that was passed on uh, in the oral tradition. But the Hebrew writer tells us that Abraham actually believed that God would raise his son Back to life again. So he believed in resurrection. He had no reason to believe it. It's not like he saw it in his lifetime. But he believed it. And so he took his son. And he was prepared to offer his son. So, so that was a picture of course of what God would do. And the second great example. And it would be easy for the Israelites to lose sight of it. Was, the, uh, was Isaiah 53. And in Isaiah 53, it says that this suffering servant that would come, this one that would be a man of sorrows, it says that he would be made an offering for sin. So yes, they were given the glimpse of it, but it wasn't part of their, yes, the sacrifices could have revealed that every day, but it wasn't something they thought about very often. And in fact, human sacrifice was something that God abhorred. When you think about it, the nations around, the pagan nations, to appease their gods, they used to take their own children and sacrifice them. It's a horrible thing even to think about. Here's the amazing thing of the story of salvation. We often say this, and it is true, that nobody else could save us from our sin. Therefore, God sent his son because there was no other way. That's true. That's true. But I don't want you to have this idea in your mind that it's as though God said, well, I tried. I looked everywhere. And this is the only way. I want to give you another thought because you can actually have multiple thoughts and they can all be true. So I believe that there was no other way. But I also believe this. God and his love. We were hearing about John 3. The great love of God sending his son. I want to give it to you from this perspective. Human sacrifice is so horrible that it's almost as though God also said, I won't get anyone else to do this. I'm going to do it myself. Does that not show the love of God? It would equally show the love of God. I will do this myself. And so in the fullness of time, he sends his son into the world. And his son becomes a human sacrifice. One, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us back to God. So that's a great point that we hear in the purpose of the blood. I mean, we sang about the blood. We read about the blood. We prayed about the blood today. The blood is a reminder to us that life was freely given. I also find it interesting that in this section here, we, we hear about the, the terms of covenant and, uh, and, and a will and maybe like a last will and testament. You know, it's funny. Thousands of years have passed. and We still talk about last will and testaments, right? I don't know if you have a will. I have two wills. I have a primary will and a secondary will. Don't ask you know all the specifics. One is related to my to my family, and the other one's related to the companies that I work in, the the the, the, the shares, and the power of influencing who will control them when I die—not the ownership, but the control parts of it. I have had to write those wills. We've had to update those wills several times over the years. And uh, if you haven't done it in a while and you have a will, go back. This is like a, a free legal class just to tell you to go back and check. Because what you often find is there are things in your will from years back. And you say, those people are not even in our life anymore. And uh, that I, I, my, my children don't really need someone to take care of them anymore. And, and, and things change. And, you know, my will, I think I have it electronically somewhere. My lawyer has it, and it's supposed to be a fireproof safe because uh, I guess that's Canadian law. In case there's a fire, it's supposed to be preserved. So, so it, it's, it's contained there. But you want to know something? My last will and testament, uh, just like the writer says here, my last will and testament, those have been written several times, and there's a current copy somewhere in Toronto, two places in Toronto. Those wills abs- have absolutely, right now, no power at all. They're just pieces of paper with a bunch of scribbled words on them, with a bunch of signatures. They mean nothing until I die. Then they mean everything. And this is what the writer's telling us here. Without the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, this new covenant, this agreement between God and man, bringing the circles back together, it could never, ever happen. But because he died... And entered through on the other side. By believing in him. We will have a relationship with God forever. Remember I mentioned it last week. The great hope of Christianity. Is not I'm going to a place called heaven. It's not about the place. It's about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because wherever he will be in the future. On a throne. In the air. In a new heaven new earth. The one thing I learn. Is in all those cases. I'm with him. I'll always be with him. So I'm not looking forward to the place. I am looking forward to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with him and to enjoy his presence forever. The last thing I'll say about this little section here is that whether it was the first covenant, the the, the detours, if you will, and then the final highway in the new covenant, both of them came together because of blood. Now, I just want to kind of connect this because it can be easily forgotten. I think sometimes we think that in the first covenant, they brought their sacrifices to God and they presented the blood. And, and then later on, Christ came and did his work. Actually, when you study it and when you look at it in greater detail, the animals that were provided for sacrifice did not belong to the people. They belonged to God. God is the creator. All life is his. You know, you'll read in the Hebrew scriptures about, and we reference this to our God, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Does he own them on a thousand and one? What about a thousand and two? The interesting thing about numbers, thousand is a good example, is that the number thousand, always used, gives you the idea of big. It's not about 998, 999, 1000. It's an unlimited number. That's what the idea is. It's something huge. It's something big. And everything on planet Earth, when it comes to life, belongs to God. And every time they took that sacrifice, yes, they had a specific requirement of how they would take it, which kind of animal, what it would look like, what it would represent, because it was was obviously a a copy showing the future of Christ's coming. So that, that played a role. But when they brought that sacrifice, it wasn't because look what I gave. It's look what God gave so that I could have a relationship with him. And that was true of the first covenant. And it certainly true of the, final covenant the the one that the lord jesus the new one that he would establish okay let's just because of time let's just read the last little section here hebrews chapter 9 and we'll start reading at verse 23 it's a great end to the chapter it says thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these for christ has entered Not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once For all the end of the ages, or it could be rendered between the ages, like B.C. and A.D., between the ages, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after this comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Beautiful words. Okay, a few thoughts. In the first covenant, they used the blood and they sprinkled it everywhere. Have you ever wondered why they sprinkled it on the book? I mean, in, in, in the holiest of all, they sprinkled it on the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, and all those things. I mean, you know, the, blood, the blood's all over the place. Why would you place, why would you sprinkle the blood? We know that the blood is a representative of a covering for sin. So why would you do it everywhere? Now, we're, we're all like experts on pandemics now, right? We've gone through one in our, in our lifetime. If, if you thought for one moment that I had a contagious Disease, or you know, at the time it was COVID, or whatever the case might be. I mean, sometimes you get in a room, someone like ah, like really go at it. Our joke in our family is like that guy's got the black lung. You know, stay away from them, right? So if you saw me doing that right now, and then you saw me like grabbing a bunch of things here and touching them, what would you think when this ended? Would you feel comfortable talking to me? Would you feel comfortable coming up here and touching things, or as little children sometimes licking it? No, likely not, right? Because everything now that I'm touching, if you think I'm contagious, everything I touch, the door on the way out, I mean, you're going to go out like this. Because everything I'm touching, I'm defiling, right? This is why the blood's placed everywhere. Human sin defiles everything. Everything, right to its root core. Everything that we see in this world that's beautiful, and it is a beautiful creation that God has made. But in it all, we also see the effects that sin has had upon it. And so one of the examples seen in the first covenant and seen in the new covenant. Because in the new covenant Christ himself enters into the heavenlies. And it says he sprinkled the blood in the heavenlies. So what's going on there? It's It's as though we're getting a picture form here to say. God has made full preparation that humanity is now clear. They can be everywhere. They can go everywhere. Sin will never have its long lasting reign. Sin itself is coming to an end. So we see a picture of that in, in the heavenly place and with the blood sprinkled. One thing I should say, I didn't have it in my notes, but I will say it, is that Christ went to the heavenly place. Why did he go there after he was resurrected? Like, why go up there? I'll use a modern day expression. The CEO's office of the universe is the throne room of God in heaven. The Lord Jesus didn't run away. He went to his rightful place as the leader of the world. I mean, ultimately, when he was called up, Daniel's prophecy, and the Son of Man uh, stands before the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days gave him everything, right? He gave him all power, authority, wisdom, might. He sat at the right hand. This is what Christ is today. He is the CEO of the universe. And we as believers, this is one of the great truths of the Hebrew writers trying to tell us, is that we have the ability to communicate to the CEO's office at any moment. Prayer. The power of prayer to speak to the God who is in full control. He didn't run away. He took charge. And one day, the world's going to see the charge that he has. Because when he returns, and this is what is found in this section here, when he comes back, he's not coming back to deal with sin anymore. He's coming back to make it all right. That's what he's coming to do. His first coming into the world was to make payment for sin once and for all. When he returns, he comes back to say, that's wrong, and that's right, and I'm going to make it all right again. That's what he's going to do. And for us as believers, that's what we're waiting for. Because when he comes back like that, every last bit of me, that sinful part, will be gone forever. I mean, of all the things I'm looking forward to, it's seeing him and having that taken care of at the same time. Because if I saw him and it wasn't taken care of, that's the worst position to be in, right? As a believer, we, we look forward. The great promise is that when he comes, he will come to actually, that last aspect of sin, the effects of it in our lives will be Remove forever. Okay. I've been following my PowerPoint. You guys can't see it. But here's my last, my last little slide. Uh, it's a picture. Okay. I know you can't see it way back there. There's no way you can see it. It's a family picture. Uh, my sister, some, many of you know most of my family members because they've been here before. My sister Catherine and her husband Seth. This is uh, late uh, 2019 just before uh, the pandemic hit. And this is their wedding. This is their wedding picture, okay? Uh, I have two points. Now, if if you can't see this, just think of any wedding picture you want. Think of your own, think of someone else's, whatever the case might be. I have two final thoughts that I want to share as I conclude this chapter that relate to a picture. The first is this. A picture freezes an event in time. I mean, we took some pictures this week, and there's one of them. I look kind of creepy in the picture. It's just because the person taking the picture took so long, and eventually we were supposed to look somewhere. I looked up. Everyone's looking down, and I'm looking up, and I look creepy, right? But it caught me in the moment. Pictures, they freeze you in time. And this picture reminds all of us, including them, that on this day, the two of them made a lifelong commitment that they would be husband and wife. Now, they've, they've been married now for three plus years. They're actually expecting their first child since September, Lord willing. They just told us that news. And we've seen their relationship blossom and grow. But this picture is to remind them of a commitment they made long ago. The first thing this picture reminds me as I look at this chapter is that we will forever look back to the story of the cross. I don't think it'll ever end even though we'll be in the presence of Christ and we'll be all together redeemed in all, we will always look back to the moment when that covenant was made and it was made in blood at the cross. And so this picture reminds me of that. The second thing this picture reminds me of is that pictures are an event in time, but time moves on. You can't see it here, but my three children are on this side with us. Uh, Jacob's height, He's about here on me in that picture. After the meeting, you can look at him. He's about here on me, right? Megan is down here. Jody reminded me yesterday when we were walking. She says, I think she's pretty much at your height now. I, and there are other family members that were, weren't even born yet. And now they're born and added to the family. The second thing I remind myself about this picture that relates to the chapter is this. Sometimes people like to talk about replacement theology and ideas like that. I I don't really like those ideas. I don't think they fit well in scripture. But I will say what I do think fits well is an expansion project. God came to the Jew first, and then he went to the whole world. Ultimately, his story was about taking a family and expanding it to the widest, ranges, parts of our globe and our world. God is calling all to be saved. I know this area well. I don't know it as well as back home. As I close, I go back to that big interstate highway that I talked about last week. The highway's huge. You often don't invite people to travel on the same road as you. You know why? Because none of us like traffic, I don't think, right? We like to be on roads that nobody else is on because we get to our destinations quicker. But this big highway in Toronto that I talked about, it's the only toll highway in Ontario. That highway, unless there's a terrible accident, that highway is always an express. It is always open. It's hardly ever traffic. And, and I just imagine, because I know the area well, imagine driving on the highway and calling out to all the people on Dufferin Street and saying, come, the highway's filled. There's so much room. Come on the highway. Then I get down to Bathurst and I say, join the highway. The highway's beautiful. Get you to your destination. And I just keep going to Yonge Street and I go down. We don't do that here. But as Christians, that's what we've been called to do. We're on the biggest highway in the world and that highway is leading to heaven and it's leading to Christ and it's leading to the the, the grandeur and glory of of being called the children of God. And So don't be afraid to share it. It's not like it's going to cause a traffic jam. The road's huge. It's been prepared. And we as believers of a new covenant have the great privilege and opportunity to share it with the world. Detour signs were good, but the highway is so much grander. I trust that God will encourage us and that this chapter would be a help in our Christian journey. Thank you.